Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm moving, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. I'm pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 702. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. What a story we have today. But before that, I hope you've had a had fine and dandy festive season. It a uh, little holiday there. I hope everyone's had a little time to chill out. Even if you're working, I hope you've had a little time just to yourself or with your family and you've enjoyed it. My festive cheer goes out to you all. Yes, let's get into the main fiction. It is an elegy for Bucephalus by Rihanna Rasmussen. This story originally appeared in Unlikely Wonders, Robot Dinosaur Press 2022. Illustrator and writer Rihanna creates dark fantasy horror and science fiction that juxtaposes humanity and queerness with elements of monstrosity, phantasm and the weird. Rihanna's work has appeared in galleries and magazines including Lightspeed Magazine, Heartwood and Magic The Gathering. And there's a little link there to Rihanna's website as well and her Twitter. 
Now, this story is narrated by Letha Contes, is a princess storm chaser and best-selling author of over 20 books and 50 short stories. Letha has received the Jane Yulin Middlest Author Grant, the Scribe Award, and is a two-time winner of the Gillette Burgess Children's Book Award. She was nominated twice for both the Dragon Award and the Andrea Norton Nebula. In her spare time, Letha narrates stories for a marriage of award-winning online magazines. Born in Vermont, Alethea currently resides on the space coast of Florida with a teddy bear, Charlie. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. An Elegy for the Bucephalus by Rhiannon Rasmussen Narrated by Alethea Contis This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kisa Kiao did not expect Rear Admiral Basset's rejection. She expected a rejection. Wah. Everyone she'd shown the proposal to had vectored their conversation straight into that sentiment. But this message came in a priority ping, recorded in Basset's own disapproving voice. That made it personal. Urgent, official, shifasha, private, target, ki sak ke. Your project proposal for the decommission of the Bucephalus, the full-scale compressed air organ conversion, is overly grandiose, a farcical waste of time and resources, and objectively provides no value to the fleet. Accordingly, your useless request is denied. In the future, please restrain yourself from this childish posturing over the remains of the oldest surviving ship in the fleet, and instead devote your time to serious architectural proposals which directly forward the survival and growth of the fleet. Origin, Basse E4, Admiralty, Registered, Official. 
Kiao's sour face opened a path like wilting leaves across the general hall. A rejection she had expected. These insults? No. She plopped herself onto the bench next to her bunkmate and partner, Basque Valorau, another ventilation systems engineer. Valorau worked on the gardens. The pre-shift stink of the general hall spilled sauce and fish cake irritated Kiao. It had the same turned aftertaste as Basset's condescending voice. Hmm, you look like you swallowed a raw cricket, Valorau said, head still turned away from Kiao. They had an away status up, which was typical. They weren't particularly social, but always made time for Kiao. Rear Admiral Basset, Kiao practically spit the title, called my proposal useless. This the same proposal you made last year. Nah, nah, cut down. Since we're stripping it in any case, we'll just restructure the interior venting columns as a closed series, like your trachea with an artificial larynx for modulation. Kiao shut her eyes to separate the fleet mind overlay from the unaugmented hardware world. Not that she fancied the overlay up too much on the reg herself and buried the urgent registered official rejection as deep down as possible in her organization of hobby-related items while she talked. Pump compressed air through the rings and record the vibration. She's gonna be molten scrap at the end, so I say make a beauty of it. What are you doing? Kiao opened her eyes to see Valero peering over at her, still status away. Fish crumbs stuck to the corner of their mouth. Her concentration broken, the filter reverted, and the conversations of everyone else on shift break flooded back into Kiao's head. Valero's breath smelled strongly of dried fish and fermented soy. Kiao wrinkled her nose. You had your eyes shut a whole minute. Who are you whining at? Valero snapped their container of fish cakes shut. Can't you see I'm busy? Busy eating, Kiao growled. Ah, try it sometime. Maybe protein would balance your mood. Can't you hear me out for once? It's like the schooling of fish. It's taking a pattern, unpatterning it, and letting it settle back into its own rhythm. It's music, Val. Valorau's expression settled into flat-browed disapproval, and Kiao had the stinking thought that Valorau had assigned her time but not sympathy. Did you copy your proposal to the Bucephalus captain? Captain Theon? No. Why not? The Admiralty will overrule any captain's decision anyway. They don't want to even consider letting our ships sing their own final moments. She put that line in the proposal, of course. A lot of ships are getting old. The Shifasha, too. We can start a tradition. That was from the proposal, too. Really? I don't think you care about music or tradition. I think you want to install a ship-size ego-reverb chamber, Valorau said. That stung. Salt in the fresh wound of rejection. Fuck you! Kiao stormed out of the general hall and clocked into her maintenance shift early without eating. Valorau's words had a worse punch than Basset's, but together, the pain of them was astronomical. The one-two jab of familiarity. So what if she had an ego? Art didn't come from nowhere. Combined with the measured slap of authority left a welt that would take weeks to heal. It took her half the shift to realize there had been a good suggestion slipped in with Valorau's cruel assessment. Maybe even an attempt at support. 
Why not send the proposal to Captain Theon directly? She had nothing further to lose. Her partner was livid with her. Her proposal reputation was tanked, and her permanent record had a stain applied directly by a rear admiral on it. She reassembled the proposal, then forwarded it to Captain Theon directly marked Urgent Orange and Flag Bucephalos Disassembly, Installation, Music, and Remembrance, Death Rites. The captain was too high-ranking for systems engineer Cow to ping directly, but she hoped the flags would at least make her proposal stand out from the swarm. The rest of her shift she drifted through with half her heart and a fifth of her brain. Systems engineering in an old ship was a check-the-filters-print-the-piping-grind. The real excitement was when a gasket so old that it wasn't registered into the replacement printer turned out to be busted, and she went archive-trawling for the original plan. Kiao could trawl the archive in her sleep. And she had. Board searches were how she'd come across the concept of a pipe organ at all. A deceased engineer's two-century-old puns. A like-minded soul she would have liked to laugh over half-ass schematics with at least once. On her way back to quarters, a woman with the ranking eagle of precision mining certified pilot emblazoned bone white across her auric uniform was leaning on the wall right in the middle of the narrow corridor. She didn't flatten herself out of the way as Kiao approached. Eh! Kiao made a rude gesture, then remembered that precision-certified pilots outranked her. White was the morning color, and that that particular shade of gold was for the conquering Bucephalus, first of the fleet. She tried to cover her misstep with a sheepish smile. Best to just slip around the pilot without touching her. Just as they brushed sleeves, the pilot jabbed her arm into Kiao in revenge. Kiao elbowed back, but the woman pressed a scrap of fabric into her palm. It felt light in her hand, the familiar texture of a Shifasha engineer's straw-weave uniform, but bleached white. Kiao shoved the fabric into her pocket and hurried off down the corridor, feeling as though she were a character in a romantic drama passing affair notes. Acting wasn't her strong point, or she wouldn't have stormed out on Valero. But it wasn't a highlight of most of the dramas, either. At least the message couldn't break her heart much worse. As soon as she hit her quarters, she ordered the fleet mine to blaze the lights, slid into her bunk without removing her shoes or uniform jacket, and propped her feet against the rail. Valorau was still out, or she would have gotten a piece of their mind on that, too. Valorau's ridiculous hobby was reskinning drama footage to make everyone mythological animals, dragons and eagles and lions and so on, so they wouldn't understand the pathos or even the originality of the concept of converting ancestral homes into mournful instruments anyhow. Kiao checked the reskin channel for Valorau's favorite drama. No updates there, either, at least not from anyone she cared about. No, now there was no question. Valorau was avoiding her, either out of frustration or out of guilt. Or both. Not Kiao's problem. Kiao opened her hand to study the fabric. The supply box notation for deliver to the Bucephalus had been overlaid on the worst drawing of three boxes she'd ever seen. Drawing on uniform fabric was admittedly terrible, but any child who'd passed drafting, required, should be able to scrawl eight straight lines. Kian leaned back to study the fabric further, then sat forward abruptly with a cry. Those weren't any boxes crudely scribbled. Those were her boxes the compression chambers of the organ, and the fabric seemed to have been ripped from the lining of a pocket, then bleached for mourning, 
A message, perhaps? She cycled channels until she reached talk, fabric, repair, uniforms, engineering, fleet-wide, and pinned the fabric as embedded info onto the board. Sure enough, the channel asked for a vocal sample to confirm sender. She repeated the passphrase, and Captain Theon Lyon's voice with her clipped Bucephalus accent filled her head. Official, Shifasha, Private Target, Kisak K. I'll keep it short. Heard your organ proposal was shot down. Shame. Unrelated food delivery to Bucephalus from Shifasha, scheduled 2210 via round shuttle. If you're on board, there might be a show. Make history fleet-wide, wa? Origin, Theon, L. Bucephalus, Private, Official. Flushed, Kiao gulped down a couple breaths of suddenly hot air, or maybe her cheeks were aflame with victory. She played the message twice over again at double speed, savoring the words, and then deleted the message and flushed the fabric scrap down with the rest of her food waste at the mess hall at dinner. Valorau skipped their meal break. They'd clocked into their last shift just fine and weren't registered in the infirmary. So if they were surprised that Cal wasn't in quarters the next split shift and were still angry, well, so be it. Cal had Captain's permission to make history. And whose idea had that been, anyway? Cal set a clock in her lower right peripheral, but watching the numbers count up to 2210 just heightened the agony. She had a few hours of downcycle to blow, so she settled back into her bunk, closed her eyes, booted her proposal, and slid into full augmented reality. The proposal unfolded around her hexagon by hexagon until she stood in the center of the plan, at the joining of the paint-stripped titanium ventilation columns, and listened to the long, low rumbling of the simulated compressors. The drone settled into her, into her bones, lower and cleaner than the rumble of the Shifasha's habitable ring's constant rotation. The noise made her think of life and of death, the rocking of a child, and the quick freeze and dissolution of the dead welcome back into the fleet. The rotation, the ring, the cycle of a day, and the turning of an engine, those sounds were the heart and the backbone of the fleet. She lifted her hands and activated the default song she'd programmed in, thousands of horses galloping ahead. Imagine the air rushing her, catching her, tearing at her hair, the columns opening and the ships singing, filling with noise. Not the disordered polyphony of daily life, but full-bodied, deep tones that rose and fell in roaring counterpoint. The simulation sang her to noiseless sleep. Cal bolted awake, alarm shrilling ice water down her spine, at 2152. She yanked her boots on while triple-checking that the full blueprints, the readouts, the technical notes, the drafts, even the simulation recordings from her proposal— were stored on her own wetware rather than the Shifasha's fleet mind, inaccessible from off-ship. They were. She shrugged her jacket on with enough vigor that her hand hit the low ceiling, and said, Sorry, to Valorau out loud automatically. But Valorau's bunk lay made. They hadn't returned while Kiao was sleeping. Where were they? How mad were they? Kiao grimaced, shrugged off the discomfort touched the screen by the bunk to leave a quick note that she would be off-ship temporarily before shutting off the lights and ducking into the bright corridor. She hurried down past single-occupant quarters, past mess, past her workstation, 
and as soon as she was out of sight of any of the other engineers, she sprinted the 20-minute walk to supply and down the repair ladder to docking in half the time. It was 22.08 when she stumbled, in a cold sweat and out of breath, into the outbound loading area. The pilot lounged against the dock wall, arms crossed, ignoring the to and fro of bee-blazoned dock crew wheeling the last huge boxes into her round. The white haunting eagle, wrapped from waist to shoulder around the pilot's suit, stood out against the bitter orange wall like a beacon. Even with the pilot's arms folded firmly over the eagle's head, the design shimmered with augmented overlay, the feathers flicking into three dimensions. Kiao had heard that the Bucephalus staff were really into a hollow illusion and glitzy foil look, especially as the Bucephalus rusted, flaked, and aged away in contrast. But the Shifasha crew were still heavily into full organic. Well, everyone but Valorau, who often sported neons. Kiao ran a hand across her own embroidered sleeve, over the hairy tan legs of the mythical spider who spun the first spaceful drives way back when the fleet had roamed a single planetary system. The youth of the Bucephalus. She'd stick out there, especially if they were all in white. Cal shifted awkwardly. Maybe she could ask Valoral for a fashionable pattern. Engineer Kisak, the pilot said with a short bow. Cal called up her name on the fleet mine quickly. Kim Sanki. Confidence restored, she returned the bow. Looking forward to making your ship sing, Pilot Kim she said. The pilot snorted, a husky bark of a laugh. Not my ship, she said. I'm working transfers. Behind them, the cargo klaxon blared a short Finnish note, accompanied by the dockmaster's announcement. Official, Shifasha, broadcast, dock. Loading round shuttle Bay E to Bucephalos completed. Commence launch sequence. Dock, Shifasha, broadcast, official. Kim uncoiled from the wall, took three long strides, and vaulted the round's hatch instead of taking the ladder down rung by rung. Kiao glanced at the workers clustered at the far end to be sure they were ignoring her, then followed. She was halfway up the ladder when Valero skidded in. Just behind them paced the dock's supervisory officer. Neither of them looked happy. There, you see? Valero pointed, an accusation gesture that jabbed directly into Kiao's heart. The officer squinted in Kao's direction, confused. The jolt of anger and fear spurred Kao onto the next rung. A systems engineer on a shuttle disembark wasn't that strange. She's transferring ships without authorization. Valorel's voice was cold, bleak, and merciless, a wrench to the back of the head. I have authorization. Kao held one hand up, scrambling through her memory for any broadcast stable trace of Theon's message. By permission of Captain Theon, she couldn't help the pride that swelled in her words. We're going to make history. She's planning to interfere with the reprocessing of the Bucephalus, Valorau told the officer, for some foolish art project. The officer's face hardened immediately. I am doing no such thing, Kiao shouted back. She could drop into the round cockpit now, but that would make her last memory of the Shifasha for months, Valero's naked scorn. You can't just build to regulation like everyone else. You can't wait for approval. You think you can get away with something dangerous just because it's novel? Valero's approach was a calculated prowl. The officer was quickly outpacing them, 
and from her distant focus, Kiao knew the officer was contacting backup. I thought you understood me, Kiao's voice cracked, that you listened. The crew members who had been working the dock had all turned to watch. Embarrassingly, she knew most of them, and so did Valrau. I do. That's why I'm stopping you from being the lowest-grade failure on the lion's damn fleet. You want everyone to know you're so smart? Everyone's gonna know you, all right, for being a measure-once-cut-twice fool. Valorau's words were punctuated by the staccato footsteps of the officer who had broken into a run. But Kiao stared at Valorau, mouth agape, and Valorau stared back, their hair wild, their face flushed. They looked like they hadn't slept in cycles. Anger and worry frothed into emotional slurry that hardened their round face into all jagged, disappointed lines. Then a hand closed firmly around Kiao's ankle and yanked her down into the cockpit. She landed on her ass on top of Kim, pinging her furiously. Private. Target. Kim S. Close the airlock! Close it! Private. Origin. Ki Sok K. Kim's reply was a laconic vocal affirmation directly into Kiao's ear. The airlock's pistons activated with a hiss above them. You can get off my lap now, Kim said dryly. They need to override authorizations to open an undocking round, so you got a minute. Tighten the lock seal. It's finicky. Does it leak? It's noisy. Kiao winced and braced her boots against the wall to tighten the vacuum seal until her heads-up display assured her that beyond any pale of a doubt, it was sealed. She'd never been in a round before, so she snuck a peek back at Pilot Kim. She leaned forward to wiggle the pilot interface into the triangle port at the base of her neck. You all right? Sit down, Kim said. The shuttle vibrated to life. Kiao had just enough time to flip the Vanderwalls of her boots on and grab the interior handles before the shuttle jolted violently. Are we caught? We're launching. Detached from the outer rings of the Shifasha and juddered, free, into the abyss. Up became down, down became directionless. Kim, strapped into her seat, must have been used to it, but Kiao, always a passenger, hated the sensation of her guts weightless within her. It was accompanied by a helpful, choking nausea. She switched the magnets off and floated free, the pilot lying prone above her now, their heads close enough together to touch. The full space of the cockpit wasn't much bigger than her solo bunk. Rounds were for cargo hauling, not designed to carry more than the pilot comfortably. You know, I was thinking of getting the pilot port jacks tattooed onto my wrist, Kiao said. They're elegant. Do something better with your time. Kim said. Sorry, I'm a bit lightheaded. The only response from Kim was a slight twitch down at the corner of her mouth. What about fuel? My weight's accounted for? Sure. Kim tilted her head back away from Kiao, her open eyes tipped slightly up to watch the outer camera. She seemed unconcerned with the ruckus that had taken place before launch. The fleet mine's visual display was visible as flecks of light darting over the pilot's retinas shifting their colors, from amber to deep blue, and back again. Are they going to send us back? Kim laughed. Not on Theon's orders. Kiao shifted her weight, then grabbed the handle again to steady herself. What channel do I watch approach on? Kim shook her head, or possibly secured visual checkpoints. Kiao couldn't be sure, without access to the video feed. Don't broadcast until arrival. 
And that was the end of small talk. Cow tucked herself into a corner, set her display to sleep on the off chance that any stray pings from the shifusha found their way across the void, and counted square head versus cross head interior hull bolts until they docked with the Bucephalus at 0107. Inertia flattened Cow against the far wall, and she stayed flattened until the airlock finished cycling open and the embarking ladder dropped through. She rolled her way back up to standing. Pilot Kim cracked her shoulders and neck and pulled the interface needles out of her neck. An elegant and direct system. Needles made Cow queasy. One of the several reasons she'd opted out of that career path. She clinked up the ladder rather than waiting. She poked her head out the hatch into a loading dock parked wall-to-wall with expectant spider-rank engineers and B-rank docking crew in a pale rainbow of off-white uniforms. Shit. She'd forgotten to design a morning overlay. Too late now. In the center of the crowd, with officers at attention flanking, stood the captain herself. Kiao pulled herself up and stepped forward shakily, only a meter or so towards the overwhelming expectations. It would have been too much even without the captain standing there, her rank insignia, a warhorse rampant, mane flung, eyes wild, lamp black against the full funerary white. The decoration and the color of the fabric was natural, not augmented in any way. The smell of soap, oil, and fresh-pressed laundry pervaded the room alongside the stuffy, mildewed gasps of the ship's dying vents. Theon's undyed hair, white flecked with ashen gray, was cut short, shorter at the sides. Her posture was impeccable. Kiao bowed deeply. "'Thank you for bringing me here, Captain,' she said. Her voice echoed tinny in the quiet bay. I, uh, didn't have a chance to change. There was a ripple of laughter from the assembled crew, and Theon raised her eyebrows not unkindly. If I may ask, you're not concerned the Admiralty will take action? Theon folded her hands into the small of her back. We are in the final days of Bucephalus, she said. They won't waste the fuel to relocate you until we dock with the Chituma to transfer atmosphere. Trust me, Engineer Kisak. I've been fielding the demands from Rear Admiral Basset myself. Yourself? Kiao had been too overcome to notice, but now that she was in broadcast range again, her directory was flooded with ping alerts from transit. She resolved to leave them unread. Won't you be punished? Demoted? Theon smiled. Her smile was slow, and her gaze flickered across the skeleton crew that remained. Kiao glanced from them to Theon again. The dock thrummed with electricity. Basse can lay down what law she pleases, but a good ship deserves a good death. There will be no other ship like her. My time as her captain ends here with or without Basse's decree. We honor our living elders at their end with song through their reprocessing. Why not honor the elders who carried us here? the courageous who led the charge of the fleet into the unknown. I have heard that in an old tradition, the hair of your steed would be strung into an instrument, and that instrument would be played at times of great happiness and at times of great grief. The Bucephalus came to me in a dream herself, with your proposal in her fiery breath, and asked us for a song to sing, so that even as her parts serve in other capacities, her spirit will flourish. Kiao pressed her hand to her chest and bowed the full formal bow. Other hand at her side, 
eyes to the floor. Even out of sight, the pressure from the captain and the crew's singular attention cramped her chest. As wish we all, she said. Theon clapped. Her clap rung like the snap of an overtaxed brace. Kiao winced and hoped no one noticed. We have two weeks, Theon said. And then the Chituma arrives, and as it will be departing with our air, we better be done by then. So get to work. The first three days of work were many, many meetings attended by Kiao and a flotillion of exhausted engineers, who resented every moment stolen from dismantling. So Kiao combed through the design while the Bucephalus engineers rejected her organs' brilliant innovations piece by piece. First, her air compressors were impossible to install, given the hundreds of thousands of kilometers of cubic airspace that composed the habitable ring. Then, the space was too large to manipulate by vibrating without buckling the interior walls and tearing the ship apart from sheer applied stress. Then, between dismantling the aquaponics and making sure the ring remained whole when the atmosphere was vented, meant that they simply did not have enough time. And reason, after reason, until none of her instrument, her ambitions, remained in the plans at all. The crew members cast dirty looks in her direction when she spoke, and no looks at all towards the captain when she was present. They were half-assing their own damn ceremony because they were busy. And then turning, and with the other hand reminding her that Captain's tolerance alone was an honor. No wonder Valero had said the organ was an interference, a waste of time. Even the people who had called her in resented her. Finally, at the end of the first week, Kiao jumped up from her seat and slammed her palms down on the schematic display. You have your blueprints, your plotters, your scale models, schematics, video, audio, turnarounds, and simulations, and wind tunnels. What else do you want? A song, the chief engineer said. Kiao's ears burned in shame and humiliation. She closed her displays, excused herself, stomped back to the temporary bunk, and, since it was full of snoring off-shift workers, did push-ups until her arms trembled and she could barely pull in breath. She lay on the floor and sent a short message to Valorel. You were right, it said. I was rash. Let's talk when I get back. Valorel's reply, a sleepless cycle later, was even shorter. What's done is done. In a dream, you broke away from me, darting across a field of stars like glass to chase an unseen whim, and you never looked back at me. It scared me, Kiao. What comes next? Kiao thought about songs, about breath and cycles, and the coming final exhalation of the Bucephalus out into the Chituma. She sat up, restored the closed mock-ups, studied them for a moment, and then, with a single swipe of her hand, cleared all the diagrams and schematics and plans from her vision, and started over, clean. They were ready when the Chituma arrived. The skeleton crew, Kiao included, shuttled out via rounds to the Chituma, and collected in the foundry ship's main presentation arena to watch what was, for all intents and purposes, the Bucephalus's funeral. The ceremony was broadcasted fleet-wide, open to all. All of the high-rank officers who were off-shift attended, and a few who were on-shift. Mingling with the admirals, captains, vices, and navigators were engineers, teachers, assembly workers, gardeners, and children, 
and on and on, from Chituma and Bucephalus both. Among the crowd, Kao stood with the disassembly crew. She drank the sour wine with them and listened as they told their stories of life on the ship. Pilot Kim, now wearing the uniform of Chituma reprocessing crew, lurked among the Shachihoko rank navigators. She caught her eye, and they toasted. Projected over most non-essential channels were images of the Bucephalus, shining inside, hole-peeling outside, falling in space, lit by its own exterior lights and the immense floodlights of the vast foundry ship Chituma. The habitable rings, stilled, were hooked into one end of the Chituma's central pillar. The interior of the ship was uncannily dead, silent, stripped of paint and furnishing and life, the gardens nothing more than gutted pits. We will break from tradition for this portion of the ceremony, the captain said. The already quiet crowd hushed until the arena seemed full of only the rustling of leaves. Kiao heard her name, but she was holding her breath, and nervousness swarmed her until her vision was a spotted tunnel and her hearing rang. On screen, the Chituma's monolithic vents yawned open. There had been no way to test the setup beforehand, but they didn't need an air compressor. The vacuum itself was a compressor, and the air would be pulled through the shorter, specialized, and tuned vents. Kiao would not be operating the modified doors that controlled tone, and the diligent and skilled B-ranks had installed the partitioning between pipes. But she had laid out the measurements, built the models, programmed in the adaptation of the music the crew had chosen to represent the ship, and the design. Well, that was hers. The first note was a violent blast of air. Cal swayed on her feet. But no, there was the first tone, the first reedy call across the void to the fleet, and then that first note was entwined with another, 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 as the pipes opened and the careful dissonance and then the thunderous charge rumbled through her feet and into her bones. Cal tilted her head back, eyes closed, and heads up display silent, and for a long moment she was alone in the bridge with the last breath of the Bucephalus. She imagined the air current blowing through her, through her hair and her uniform, even if those velocities would have crushed her, imagined pressing her hands against the metal and feeling the harmonics themselves vibrating through her as they shook the frames and supports with the force of their song. The last note hung in the air for almost a whole minute before fading into the silence of vacuum. The feed of the empty ship remained. Cal finished her glass with the deep-set satisfaction that people were going to be resampling that performance for years. Her display exploded with messages, some from the crowd, but most directed to her, her name alone, and not all marked urgent and very little marked angry. Valorau's name was among the flurry. A larger response. An acknowledgement of pride. Captain Theon took the stand, hands folded, and began to say the traditional funerary words for humans and ships both. While Theon spoke, Kiao composed a letter to Valorau in her head to send later when she was in range and could listen to Valorau's new message in full. It was short, not a masterpiece of an apology but she thought it might be a start. Not that they would be bunking together again when she returned to the Shifashu, 
there was no doubt a transfer in her future. Sometimes it's better to act, Cal thought, and sometimes there must be compromise. She opened her eyes to watch the Bucephalus die. And there you go. Big thank you to Rhiannon. Rhiannon, thank you so much. That is a lovely story. Yes, thank you. And Alethea, it is an honour to have you on this show. Thank you indeed. That is show 702, put to bed just like that. Next time we speak to each other, it will be in the new year, 2023. Until then, I'd just like to say good night from me. Thank you for listening. Time soon, can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here. Best I move slow, so I'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I wanna talk to you. I wanna talk to you. myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.